0: Thank you team. Wonderful to have you here and it's good to have you all here too. I'm not sure where you are, if you're in your, your lounge room, uh, be on a device, maybe going for a walk, uh, listening to your headphones but it's wonderful to have you with us and it's just wonderful to be here. It's, it's great to have technology like this, isn't it, to be able to come together. Uh, if we weren't able to do this, I'm not sure what I would do. I would go a little insane, I believe. I don't do well on my own. And so it's great to at least come together like this uh, in one spirit. We still get to worship, uh, we still get to open the word, we still uh, allow God to work in us as we do this together in one spirit. And we've come out of the the holidays, um, which is, it's odd, it's an odd season isn't it? This would normally where you'd be sending kids back to school full time but uh, it's a season now where where for many that means homeschooling it means working from home so it's it's an odd odd season but it's actually the beginning of a new term and um it's amazing how much was jam packed into that first term i must add w- what a beginning to the year and as we continue we're we're going to look at a, a new series and it focuses on the book of james and again this was a a book we've we'll been praying about and thinking about looking at um, even before all of this situation came about. And as you'll see from this very first theme and this, the very first verses in chapter one, again, it just affirms in me how God is in control, how God knows what He's doing, and that, that He leads us. And so I hope and pray also that this book, uh, that you'll be able to see it in a new light. And that there'll be new encouragements that come through it, or if it's the first time that you've come through it, I pray that it will just encourage you and ground you uh, in your walk. The book of James, if we're if you're opening up, uh, it starts in chapter one. That this letter is from James; it's named right there. Now, mostly believed to be James, the brother of Jesus, as read in Mark chapter six, verse three. And so here we have James the brother of Jesus, writing this this letter, or as we would call it, a book, to Christian people to encourage them in their faith. Now, I must note, I once heard someone say that the very fact that Jesus' brother, James, in this fact, believed in him and walked as a follower of Jesus, that was enough for him to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Because think about it. I know for myself, if my brother was to turn around and to say, hey, I'm the Son of God... <laughs> I would hear that differently than most other people. And so the very fact that his own family and his own brother here are completely sold out, followers of Jesus Christ, speaks volumes. And so here we have his brother writing these words to encourage followers of Jesus. And he introduces himself as a slave of God. It's an interesting little introduction, isn't it? I'm James... A slave of God. I'm not sure if you've ever used that term. We, we tend to use other terms like a child of God, but a slave of God. It's quite unique. And what does he mean by that? Well, we can get a glimpse of this more in Romans chapter six, verse twenty, where Paul writes, "When you were slaves, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result?" You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the idea. Here's James, a fellow believer in Jesus Christ who is bound and captivated by the love of God not living for his own desires anymore, but living for Christ and for Christ alone. And it is that that binds him as a slave. And so we can be confident as we read these words that this is a fellow traveller. This is someone else who is also sold out, who also loves Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And so this letter, we believe, is most likely to have been written in the early 40s AD. It's believed to be one of the earliest writings of any of the New Testament books, which is quite interesting. And it says there quite clearly that this is being written to the 12 tribes, to Jewish believers. So, it's being written to Jewish Christians, most probably outside of Palestine, And as we read we get a a very quick indication that it is a letter to encourage those who are walking with Jesus. It is an encouragement to those who are also bound by the love of Christ and it encourages them It encourages and challenges them in their walk and you don't have to read far to realise that the, the issues they faced are not far different than those that we face today. Although written almost 2,000 years ago, the struggles and the triumphs of their Christian walk are not that different than, than our very own today. And so this book is wonderful. It's, it's down to earth. It's, it's practical. It, it, it's gritty. It's real. It, it, it's honest. It's the stuff of everyday life. And so for us here in Melbourne, as we look at this, we'll be opening this up and thinking, how does this apply to our walk? Here, in Australia, in Melbourne, as as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we walk and live for Jesus? And the first of our themes today is titled Faith and Endurance. Faith and Endurance. I want you to pause for a moment. It might be hard if the kids are running around, I'm not sure what you're doing, but pause and reflect with me for a moment. Did you have an opportunity at the beginning of this year to think about your hopes and your dreams for 2020? And 2020 was a big year, of course. Everyone, 2020, 2020, vision, 2020, you know, the good old play, perfect vision. Uh, People were talking about that a lot. And I wonder if you can remember the ideas that were going through, through your mind in those first few days of this new year. I wonder if you can remember the hopes or the dreams that you may have had. I can almost say with, I can say with confidence that I don't believe that you wished for a virus that would spread throughout the entire globe, seeing the entire population restricted and isolated in their homes where people couldn't touch or hug or meet as a church or go on holidays or have family outings. I don't think that was on your list. It's safe to say that none of us would have wished for the season in which we find ourselves. Or think about your bucket list. Do you have one of those? You know, A list of maybe 10 to 20 things that must must-dos in your life, things or people you must see, places you must go. I wonder if your bucket list includes an unthinkable season of hardship to strengthen my resolve and my endurance. <laughs> I don't think it would. So it seems our plans for our lives and God's plans for our lives are vastly different at times. Our plans are often for smooth sailing, sunny days. God's plans tend to include a few storms. It makes us wonder what God is doing. Does it make you wonder what God is up to? Why would he allow us to go through such events be it public ones like we're seeing with this virus, or or private ones, situations in our own lives that are that are difficult. Well, the Book of James helps us with some of these questions, and from chapter one, from verse two, we read. Open your Bibles, from James chapter one, from verse two. I'm going to read from verse two to verse eighteen. And it's interesting because when you read through these, there's a few different thoughts and ideas here that seem like almost independent ideas but they're they're woven together. Let's read from verse 2. We read, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. "'For when your endurance is fully developed, "'you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. "'If you need wisdom, ask our generous God "'and he will give it to you. "'He will not rebuke you or forsake you. "'But when you ask him, "'be sure that your faith is in God alone. "'Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty "'is as unsettled as a wave of the sea "'that is blown and tossed by the wind.' Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord for their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honoured them and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts like shifting shadows. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Wow, interesting words. And who would have thought that in the beginning of term two we would start with the words when troubles of any kind come your way. Consider it as an opportunity for joy. In the midst of this season, I'm not sure if that was my first reaction. (laughs) But have a look what we read. Three ideas I'd like to open up here today. First, James encourages us to do what? To see troubles and testing and notice that he writes when troubles come. Not, Not if, but when. So part of being and and, and experiencing troubles in life and and trials is, is simply proving the fact that we are alive. And so when these troubles and testing come, count it as joy, says James. Like I said, I'm sorry, but that's not my first reaction in the midst of this. Lining up for toilet paper, only able to buy one bottle of milk, doesn't seem like great joy but James says when your faith is tested and your endurance has a chance to grow so let it grow here's the encouragement in this season don't fight it receive it in the midst of this season embrace it as God's handiwork in your life let it grow there's this idea of of embracing it and allowing it to be in your life not not fighting it but working in it and with it. And the result of this is for our endurance to grow. 1 verse 4. It mentions endurance in this life, and that as it grows, it will grow to be perfect, complete and needing nothing, which is an interesting idea. It made me think of a long-distance runner. Now, many long-distance runners uh, go through much training very few wake up one day and simply say, Today I choose to be a marathon runner, and tomorrow I will run an ultra marathon, which is far more grueling than most, you know, marathons, just, uh, just standard marathons, as you could call them. Most marathon runners, in order to get to that point, need to go through training, they endure hardship, they build their muscles, they build their body so that it can withstand the race, the ultra marathon, uh, which is the goal and the prize. And in a, the same way, in the same image here, is this idea to allow the trials in life to enable us to grow, to enable our spiritual muscles, our spiritual form to develop and to grow so that we're able to take the greater challenges that will come. As he says here, so that we will be perfect, complete, needing nothing like that Marathon runner, they're able to complete those greater runs because of the the hardship and and the patience that they've gone through. In the same way when we allow these situations to shape us, when the next challenge comes, we'll be ready. We'll be able to face it because of what God has already been doing in us. So there's this result for endurance in this life, but also skipping to verse 12, it mentions again this future hope that God will bless those who patiently endure, those who endure through testing, through temptation, that they will receive a crown of life. There's hope in those words, isn't there? That in the midst of the hardships, we can look up and say, Father, you're doing something in me, you're growing me. But in this, you also promise the crown of life and eternal glory. It's our salvation, it's, it's our life in him. This is the reward as we, we, we take what comes and we allow endurance to grow in us. Okay, our passion statement talks about growing in Jesus. This very idea that our walk, yeah, we, it, it continues on. We, we never reach a place in our Christian walk and say, you know what, I've made it. Hey, Sean, hey, Annalie, guess what? Today I made it, I'm done. We never get there. We continue to grow. And it's through situations that, that God allows in our lives that continue to shape us. So I want to say this, in whatever season you find yourself in, trouble and testing will come. And I know for some of us, for many of us, the current trials surround this, this, this COVID situation and it's, it's not easy. But I'm aware of other people who, who are going through other hardships and COVID almost pales in comparison. So whatever season you find yourself, as challenging as it may seem, embrace this as an opportunity to see God at work in you. We learn a simple truth that God is more interested in shaping our character than supplying our comforts. Continues to grow us to be more and more like himself and so the encouragement is receive it. Receive it. And a good question to ask in the midst of this and to ask yourself is, God, what are you doing in me through this? What are you shaping? What are you growing in me? And in the two to fours, some of our two to fours and small groups that are meeting, Um, I I put together a small little video clip to give a few tips on how to go about that and there were three questions that I encouraged to ask to to guide that time and the second of those questions is simply this, what is God doing in you? What is he challenging? What is he encouraging? It's focused on this idea of what is God actually doing in your life in this time, in this season. Be it a challenging season or an encouraging one, what is God doing? And so I ask you, what is God doing in you today in the midst of this time, in the season that we find ourselves and in this season you find yourself? So here's the encouragement to endure and it's the overarching theme of these of these verses, and it almost seems like it takes a detour, but it's interesting. It, there's a thread that weaves through it all. You see, James encourages us to endure, but he also encourages us to walk with wisdom. There's an invitation in verse 5 if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Underline will, or if you've got a highlighter, highlight that. That's a, an invitation and a promise. In the invitation is this idea of asking and expecting. Ask God without doubt but with expectant faith. He says, don't be like the waves of the sea that are forever moving but be sure that you have faith that God will answer your prayer. And the promise is there. You will receive wisdom. If you ask for it, you will receive it. And then what seems like a diversion from verse 9 are actually some words of wisdom for us because it seems God's wisdom is different than our own. It seems his idea of what is good for us is not the same as of what we would think of as we've gone through counter-joy in trial. That's wisdom that comes from God. And there's this interesting part here of where there are some encouragements given to those who are poor and to those who have wealth. You see, we often see poverty as trial. Put your hand up, anyone here who says, I want to grow up and be poor. (laughs) You don't go through school and have that on your wish list. No, we don't see poverty as something to aspire to. And look at this, it's flipped on its head. It's the believers who were poor had something to boast about for God has honoured them. God has honoured the poor and for those who have wealth, what do we see? It's seen as something that is something to humble us, to humble persons. For wealth will be gone like a flower of the field. All the work, all the striving, all the success will be done and gone just like that. See, in the midst of this, we have James sharing some words of God's wisdom to us. And God's interesting and almost upside down wisdom. And in our trial in this season, I wonder what your first question has been. You know, for me in trial, I find myself asking this My first question is often, why God? Why would you allow this to happen? I've been good. I've done all the right things. And then very quickly followed by the request, so God, please make it go away. Have you found yourself praying that? Why? Make it go away. However, the question in verse 5 that we're encouraged to ask The request, the invitation is not to ask God to remove the trial but to ask for wisdom to enable us through it. We're encouraged to ask God for wisdom in the midst of these situations. This is God's upside down, back to front wisdom where we count it joy to go through trial, where the poor are honoured and the rich are humbled. It reminds me of Isaiah 55 verse 8, "'For my thoughts are not your thoughts,' Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews, a foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In Corinthians, the uh, backside, back to front, upside down truth that our God would come to save us by dying on a cross, defeating death by rising again. All of these ideas, if you've heard them before, may sound normal. But at the heart, Is this amazing wisdom that comes from God that is often so much greater than what we can fathom and understand. And so in the midst of this trial, here's the encouragement. Ask God for the wisdom to see it through. It may not be what you necessarily and automatically would like or respond to, but his wisdom is far greater and he will provide it through this season in which you find yourself. So James encourages us to endure and not to wish for this testing or time to go away, but no, to come to God asking for wisdom to see it through. And then he continues on in verse 12 where he talks about God blessing those who patiently endure testing and temptation and it's the first time he uses the word temptation. Up to this point we've been using the word trials which are often external and out of our control. But then he mentions temptation and that those who endure both of these are promised a, a, a reward. But then he gives an encouragement. Remember that when you were being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. Interesting words. So it seems that people were blaming God for the temptations. God made me do it. But I would not have done that if you didn't bring that into my life. <laughs> because you brought it into my life, I fell, I stumbled, it is your fault. Or we can even blame the devil. The devil made me do it. But James wants to clear something. He wants us to understand temptation and not to put blame, and not to criticise, not to put blame where it isn't due. And he makes it very clear, where does temptation come from? Have a look at verse 14. Temptation comes from Our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Our own desires, are part of our own nature, part of our own brokenness. You see, it's these desires that lead us to action and these actions outside of God's design for us, we call sin, as these actions are allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, it's an interesting image that's being reused here again. This idea of something growing, can you remember where it was found earlier on? Right from the beginning, James talks about troubles coming and allowing endurance to grow in us. Allow endurance to grow so that your your faith is strengthened and that you can receive life. As we allow endurance to grow in us, we receive a crown of life which is eternal life. We receive salvation. That, that's growth that he talks about at the beginning. This is almost the opposite of that. You see, as we allow sin to grow in us, where does it lead? James shows very clearly that as we allow sin to grow, it leads to spiritual death. And so we have this contrast and the encouragement in it to allow endurance to grow. Accept what God is bringing into your life so that you may grow in faith and receive salvation and the crown of life from him. Do not allow sin and temptation to take hold in your life because when it grows, it leads to death. Separation from God. Interesting, those two ideas at the beginning and sort of at the end of this little portion. And in that is the remind us do not say that this temptation comes from God for only good gifts come from him and verse 16 to 18 is this reminder of the goodness of God don't blame him he says and it seems to be an issue of the day doesn't it not much different well why would God allow such a thing why would God bring this on me why would he allow me to to fall uh, under this temptation James encourages us to recognise that good gifts come from him. Wisdom, we've mentioned in verse 5, he blesses us with the crown of life in verse 12 and then in verse 17 and 18 he mentions the lights in the heavens. He mentions our God, the never-changing God who gives us birth and who enables us to become his prized possession. All of these good gifts. And so here... Is the overall thought. Embrace whatever trial comes as an opportunity to grow. But don't blame God for temptation. That's not from Him. Temptation comes from our own selfish desires. So don't yield to it. Don't let sin grow in you, but let endurance grow. God's plans for our lives are often far different than our own and the encouragement is to embrace the challenge. Let it grow us. May it grow you in your endurance and in your faith. And in the midst of that, ask God for the wisdom in the midst of all of this. Rather than simply asking him to remove it, ask God, what are you doing in this? And be reminded he's not the one to blame for temptations that come along our way for he pours out good gifts on us to shape us and to help us grow in his character. So this week, wherever you find yourself, may your faith and endurance grow. And as hard as it may be, (laughs) grasp it with both hands. I pray that you may have eyes to see how God is working in you. I pray that God may give you the wisdom to see what he is doing in you in all things and in all seasons and especially in this time, right now. (laughs) Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word and it is a double-edged sword. Lord, it encourages us and it challenges us, Lord, at the same time. And so today we come and we just thank you for who you are, that you would like to see us grow in our walk with you, Father, that you don't just save us and, and leave us, but that you want to shape us to become more like yourself. And Lord, the trials in this world are hard. But Father, give us the ability as... James would encourage and as your Holy Spirit is encouraging us Lord to accept these to see and to count them as joy as they shape us and they mould us to be more like you. Lord we also come and acknowledge that temptation that comes from within us Father if we ever blamed you for these we, we ask for your forgiveness. Keep our eyes focused, Lord, on you and the good gifts that come from you. Although we may not always understand it, Father, we still give you praise and we still give you thanks and we continue to ask for your wisdom to enable us to see what you are doing. And we thank you, Lord, for your promise that you will give us wisdom to see these things. So, Lord, I ask for extra measure of of joy in this season for every single person listening right now. Lord, I pray that you can enable every single person to see the struggle, Lord, as an opportunity for growth. Lord, I ask for an extra measure of wisdom for every person and for each one of us here today in this morning. And enable us, Father, to see what you are doing and to see your goodness in the midst of this time. We give you thanks and we give you praise. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And God's people, wherever you may be, all say, Amen.